Good evening, Patriots. And it's Wednesday, March 13th still, just like it was the previous hour in the year 2022. It's amazing. As much as we try, that day still hangs on, except if you're on that East Coast, and then already it's the 14th, and you're early in the morning, and you're on Thursday. Thursday's my crazy day. It's tomorrow, man. I'll tell you, I'm a lot going on tomorrow. Four shows tomorrow, including Brighty on TV, so it'll be busy. Before we begin, your immune system, your immune system, such an important part of everything we do, and you need to keep it strong and healthy. There's a lot of stresses going on in our environment right now. We are surrounded by the stresses and the environmental issues that are challenging our immune systems. And keeping our immune systems strong is essential to maintaining a strong position in this fight. Expedition Coffee was designed specifically to not only give you that energy boost you need, that will sustain you across the entire day while boosting your immune system and help maintain a mental focus throughout the day. You can find Expedition Coffee, X-P-E-D, Expedition Coffee at expeditioncoffee.com. And there you'll also find a full range of products that are designed to work as a full health ecosystem, all designed to reclaim your personal health sovereignty. Those products include the Gut Health Triad, which helps heal and seal your gut, Leaky gut is one of the critical causes of sickness in our nation. You also have Immune XP, which is an immune booster based on pine cone extract with high levels of vitamin C. Earth, which is a nutrient powder, giving your body a full complement of nutrients you need. Just mix it with water, drink it like a shake. Do that once a day. And Pure 47, one of the most refined silver extracts on the market that can isolate most of the pathogens that you'll encounter. The products on ExpeditionCoffee.com are all designed to give you back the strength in your immune system to not only endure the challenges to the immune system, but to dominate and to rise above to reclaim your true health sovereignty. So check out Expedition, X-P-E-D, ExpeditionCoffee.com. For those of you that have not seen the follow-up interview with Stu Peters today with Dr. Arvis, Artis, Dr. Brian Artis, I would highly recommend that you get over and take a look at that. That's on Rumble and on StuPeters.com. Dr. Artis does an exceptional job, again, of follow-up. So there's now two groups of interviews to watch. Um, Mike Adams, which has a three-part, one-hour-each series with Dr. Brian Artis, and also the Stu Peters interview, which has answered a lot of questions, which are really interesting, especially how children are not affected by this venom venomized virus thing that we're dealing with, whatever it is. It's going to be a whole new vocabulary. The children aren't affected apparently because they create, they naturally generate high levels of melatonin, which is a deterrent to the, um, to the actual venom that's being put out there. So very interesting theory. I mean, I'm more than a theory. It's grounded in solid science. And like I told you, Dr. Artis will be on the show next Tuesday night. And I'm looking forward to it. And it's, we're gonna, I'm going to give him as much time as he wants. And so I'll see what that's available. But I know that we're going to do as, as much interview as we can on this to kind of continue to open this discussion up and encourage people to continue to dig and research very heavily. I want to read you something here from... Archbishop Carl Mariao Maria Vigano. It's an interesting letter. It's in, published in part of it's published um, in the Gateway Pundit. Just want you to hear this. Already after my revelations about the scandals and of then Cardinal McCarrick, I had to take care of my safety. My statements about the pandemic farce, which I remember began in May 2020 and at the time earned me insults and verbal lynchings, accusations of undue interference, or as that I was promoting conspiracy theories. There have been, there have also been those who have said that it is, was not I who wrote my statements. It was even insinuated that I was suffering from psychosis and delirium of interpretation or even possessed by the devil not to mention the accusations following my pronouncement on the Russian-Ukrainian crisis a few days ago. I have been amazed that those often over-the-top attacks also come in part from circles of Catholic conservatism 
and the so-called political right. In many cases, those whom I would have considered as allies in opposing first the pandemic farce and then the war provocation have shown that they side with the adversary to the point of recognizing the effectiveness and moral lawlessness of the so-called vaccines or presenting Zelensky as an innocent victim of Putin's expansionist aims. The reality is quite different, and denying it or concealing it to support one's own thesis or to obey one's masters will serve no purpose other than to make the condemnation of the guilty and their accomplices and their accomplices even more just and motivated. I find this very interesting because it's something you've heard me discuss, and it's, we're seeing it happen even between before us. And most recently, this happened with Dr. Artis, who I, is, who I consider to be one of the brilliant minds in our time, and I've been honored to get to know him a bit, and we're, we're very honored to have him at Bardsfest. And it's something that we just have to be very careful about in ourselves, but equally something we're going to have to call out to the many that are falling trapped to these narratives. And for me, this all falls under the categories of idolatries, which is probably a little bit of an expansionist interpretation of idolatries, but nonetheless, it's appropriate. I read to you yesterday a posting from a, Q researcher, who literally made the issue about Dr. Artis's claims and lumped him in as a deep state shill and went so far as to say that to justify his position that it was the children that weren't getting sick and therefore the venom had no issue, completely denying the thousands of people that have been affected and the known lives that have been lost. And, of course, equally denying the number of children that have been damaged, including the vast number of children that have been having myocarditis issues. The posting that was there on Telegram is a, it's a, a very unfortunate posting because it's a state of mind that a group of people, in particular the Q movement, has fallen into, which is very much like a cult. But it's not just limited to Q. It's limited to many. When we start to follow the obsessions of truth that are led by institutions of men or worse, artificial intelligence. No one really knows what Q is other than it was a project to stimulate the awakening. And the concept that Q is a person is a bit naive at the very least. But the obsession to find Q, to follow Q, to obsess over Q is a false worship. That is an idolatry. And so when you hear this coming from the, the excoriation that was coming was being launched against Archbishop Vigano. You can see that the problem exists as much within this, what we call conservative right as it does in the conservative left. So much of what that is based on is in my opinion is the inability to adapt and to cope with a world that is literally unraveling. People want very tangible, hard results of truth and they want truth to be clean, and they want it to be decisive. They also want this to be over. They want things to be cleaned up quickly, have it end. Nothing biblically has ever been that fast. Whether it was Noah in his 40-some years, or whether it was the plagues, or the, the exodus from Egypt, I should say. Or maybe it was the, the march on Jericho. I mean, these were all part and parcel of, of a continuous war that we've been part of in fighting evil. And the one lesson to that is evil does not simply go away. We have to really keep in mind that within all of this, we have a major responsibility. And that responsibility truly is us and our role of standing up to evil and calling evil out. Let me read tonight. I've read this many times, and it's not like it's a new passage, but it, it is so poignant to where we are right now, and that is Ephesians 5, 6 to 17. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, 
but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord, that no part in the fruit un- take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful to even speak of these things that they do in secret. But when anything's exposed by light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand that what the will of the Lord is. I always find this quite amazing because this passage, as many of the passages Paul wrote, were are as if they were in written for today. But in particular in this passage, it is important that we zero in on this phrase here, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. That's the command quite literally to be active in our communities. It is the, it's the point of not sitting still, but to call out the, the, the evil for what it is. In this time, when we see this corruption, and the corruption both internal to our groups of what should be common patriots or at least aligned patriots, we also have the, we have the problems in our churches. They aren't going to fix themselves. They are going to fix themselves through us. And what I find profound about this passage in Ephesians is, again, it's the power rests with us as God works through us. We need to take that active role, and we need to take this active role in calling out this evil and doing it now. I don't like calling out people by name on a show, but there's times that the claims are made that are so crazy and so inappropriate and leading people so far down the right path that sometimes you have to do it. I don't have any problem raising or elevating up work that's positive, and I also don't have a problem namelessly pointing out the errors in logic. But we all do have a responsibility to pursue truth and not to shut it down simply because it's inappropriate or doesn't fit the narrative in which we're comfortable with. But when we become obsessed with idols and we start becoming obsessed with a way of thinking, a fixed way of thinking, again, we are taking a high risk of having things fall apart on us and worse, influencing others not to see through the truth. The problem I have at this point in time, and I'll come back to this a bit, is in the Q movement is it was an opportun- it was an opportunity to awaken many people. The Q movement was trained on how to do memes. It was encouraged to question everything. The Q movement was guided to start looking and digging, how to bypass AIs, how to create adaptive memes to do just that. The, the learning culture around Q for the first 18 months was literally phenomenal. Because what was shared and explored by people overall was a way to pursue the truth and to share the truth in the many forms that people would start to resonate. What happened to all that after COVID? I have no idea. Some will blame the collapsing of the of Twitter and the loss of the community, and they're trying to recreate that on true social, but it's not that. Because the many voices still found each other and were able to work together. I still work with certain people but none of us are Q-aligned anymore for a very particular reason because the movement itself succumbed to a worship with a letter and a worship of, an, of a sacred text, so to speak, of what the Q, the scrolls of Q were. That lost its energy then. It, it makes it impossible to, do, to use those, to even study it the way it was because people are locked into as if they're trying to decode a future even though they say they're only looking to the past. That's no different than when we see the obsessions of a legalist reading of the Bible or we see the obsessions of trying to interpret when Christ is going to return. The, the two parallel each other very well. Again, we were told in Scripture not to work, not that is not our role, that only Father will know the exact time and place, and yet people find it necessary to obsess about tracking the events to control the to identify when that time is, which makes no sense. 
Because for one thing, Christ gave us a mission here, a mission to subdue evil and to do greater works than he, to, ex- to occupy the land, to expand the kingdom. And yet for some reason, people want to run away. They want it to end. They want it to all be over. And yet things don't work that way in Scripture. This is a fight that's going to be an enduring fight. It's going to be a long time. And it's going to take a lot for all of us to work through. And we have to continue to be true to that walk with God. And through that, we're going to discover that as we take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, and we take time instead to expose them, little by little, as God works through us, we work through a fantastic way of transforming the world in the way that is pleasing to God and beneficial to God and and sets the conditions for many, many things to come. We are much greater than we give ourselves credit. And when we try to seek a way to escape from all of this, we're not valuing what God trusted in us. Now, many people will say, well, I'm not trying to escape. It's simply the end of times. Well, okay, so it is. But that isn't our role to decide when or our role to know when. And that's been said very clearly. Only Father will know. And as I've told you before, and I've done these shows where I've literally gone back and I've gone through periods of time over history since Christ's resurrection of how many times people have come out to say that it's the end of the world and they followed the scriptural meanings of Revelation. And lo and behold, everyone was wrong. When we look at this and how this feeds off into other movements, we have to be we have to look at a mirror and realize that that type of mentality that exists in our desire to try to find these ends ours is pervasive in other places. The left wants everything now. They want everything about their world. They want it now. They want to change it. They don't want to wait. They don't want to work through a process of talking and sharing and negotiating. They just want to change the rules at any cost. Those that took the injection, they want fixing now. They don't want to take the risk of possibly having to let their body adapt and grow to, a, to an infection. They want fixed now, and they want the security now that can only, in their mind, come through getting an injection created by men. When we deal with food, people want satisfaction now, and then when they gain weight, they want to lose weight now. And it's always about a me and now culture. And yet, biblically, that doesn't work. Nowhere in there does it say that that's going to be the case. We have to learn to have the patience to understand that God's timing is exactly perfect, but his timing isn't exactly perfect with us. And the only way that we balance those two is if we place trust center to everything that we do and literally take a breath and walk as Father wants, focusing on what's before us, not all the things that we want or all the things that we feel need to get done. When we're tied in with that central principle as we walk, of balancing our walk with what we know that God is leading us to do, we're using our gifts and talents, we're using them as God wants us to for the betterment of humanity, not just the betterment of ourselves, and we start to reverse that in inverse that relationship to where we're looking outward, not just inward. Things tend to tone down. And that is one of the greatest challenges we face when we confront these other places in society, whether it's a Q movement, a MAGA movement, whether it's a progressive left, whether it's people that are injected and and wanting to have the pandemic end or those that are wearing masks and wanting the pandemic to end or whatever that is. At the end of the day, our temperance and our walk and our ability to guide them through a more peaceful path is going to take us teaching and exposing them to a paced set of life, not the urgent me culture, which all comes through our relationships through Christ. This is a really difficult part, I think, of the awakening. And it's One that, even if it happens in the way, for example, let's say that as many feel that there is going to be a sudden arrest of many people and suddenly everything will be exposed and then there'll be trials and there'll be exposures on TV. 
and there'll be new technologies, which is another one. Okay, let's say all that happens. None of that is has any relationship to us becoming closer to God. All that is is us witnessing a world around us transforming. But at the end of the day, the process of God does not need new technologies. It doesn't need new money or more money. And the process of God does need patience because what we do know is that the core and the reason we got here in the first place is a moral bankruptcy across our nation. And most importantly, a moral bankruptcy in our churches. The real revolution that we can affect that needs to be affected is from within the walls of the church. That's Or we have to start breaking and starting our own churches. It's that simple. We can't continue to allow the churches to blast, be blasphemous to the way God's word is. And that's going to take us having the courage to expose them and to not participate in unfruitful works of darkness. That application of that, I mean, that passage is probably not typically thought of as something to apply to the pulpit. And yet, to a large degree, many of the pulpits need to be shaken. And they need to be shaken hard, especially if they're working under a 501c3 model. That model has done more damage to our churches. It has done more damage to the word of God in this nation. And in the process, this is what I can honestly say from my heart. The churches own a major part of the responsibility of the moral bankruptcy and the position that we are in as a nation, including the rise of transgenderism, the rise of the LGBTQA plus movement, and the rise of abortion. Why? Because they haven't been forward-leaning and being activists in their communities. Instead, they've been compliant agents with government policy. They've been more willing to worry about how they're going to expand their base in dollar flow than to expand the word of God. They have been more concerned about giving somebody a kickback on their donation through the 501c3 tax break than to encourage the principle of tithe and the truly what it means within one's life. These values, when we start to do this, absolutely bankrupt the way we, we should be. How many churches do you know that go through a seven-year cycle that on the seventh year they take no money and they simply live completely everything back to God. We don't know that either. We don't see that either. All of these modelings of life need to be considered carefully as we move forward. And all of us need to strive in our direction to try to remodel in the direction of the churches. But the church has become a corporate, a tentacle of the corporate beast. And that's one of the reasons we have seen it fail so much. Obviously, and I will always put this exclusion, there are good churches out there. Yet even those I would challenge on the same principle, that if they are running a 501c3 church, they have made a deal with the devil and it needs to be stopped. To be truly of the people, the 501c3 model needs to be rejected. But unfortunately, as churches grow and finances become a major part of their growth, growth being the the money they receive. And yes, there's nothing wrong with receiving money, but as that business model grows, they're looking for ways to expand that money flow when in fact, if we are trusting truly in God, it doesn't matter. I would argue that people aren't seeking the 501c3, the church is pushing it upon them and giving that as a, quote, benefit for donating to the church. I don't really think that it limits or encourages more donation. I think it gives the church an easier sell rather than just saying this is what we need and we're asking for God's help to guide. So we have a lot of challenges in this way ahead, and a lot of this challenge that we're going to face isn't going to be strictly from one side, which is what the media and what the especially even the Republican Party is always trying to point the finger over at the, it's the left, it's the left, it's the left. There's some really good people that would consider themselves on the left in the political spectrum that have some really interesting and passionate ideas to help this nation. We can't simply shut them off. There's, there's many people over there that are 2A promoters, believe in First Amendment rights, and they are very passionate about states' rights. 
yet they might see things in a more in a broader level or in a different way and and the social aspect of things that we need to listen to. Not everything is simply black and white. I think most of us know that, but it's easy to get swept up in this idea of one versus the other. And so when we witness in these last few days and we're reminded of these sort of tongue lashings that come out of people that we would expect to be standing for truth and pursuing truth, that tongue lashing that came out or viperous attack against Dr. Artis, for no reason other than the fact that his narrative didn't fit the, the framework of what people were comfortable with, which my theory has been and still holds that many of those that are snapping out actually took the injection and don't want to discover the truth of what's in them. That's one of those hard red pills. We have to be better than that as people, not not as exclusives, not as superior, but the role in walking with God has to put us at a higher level to where we're so secure and comfortable with our walk in faith, our relationship with Christ and with God, that when we do face truths, we're okay with it. We can challenge ourselves, whatever that is. What if we discover that half of our government is clones and biosynthetics? All that technology is available Will it shock our belief and shake us to the core that we're now lost and we, we're not going to listen to the truth because it can't possibly be that it's blasphemous to even talk of those things? No, of course not. Because we're dealing with crazy scientists that do crazy things that all want to be God, so be prepared for about anything. What happens if Nancy Pelosi takes off her mask and we suddenly discover it's a lizard underneath? Look, I make jokes about it, but I make jokes about it in particular because, quite frankly, it's interesting that, I mean, we, we talk of the serpent in the garden, so apparently there's something going on there back there. So if we discover that the serpent is still rolling around here and it's hiding behind masks or whatever it is, I'm not going to be shocked. I'm going to laugh, and then I'm going to ask God for permission to take out my sword and chop off its damn head. But that's the approach that we need to take, and it's a... It's when we're comfortable with God, the beauty is that we can handle any of this. You know, I, I take this example the other day of, of, and it was in New York City, and I talked about it. And I hope many people saw this video because it was circulating around. There was an explosion in a manhole. And somewhere underground, there was an explosion in New York. And people literally just took off running. They had no idea where the explosion was other than it was somewhere behind them. And they had no idea what was before them. And they were just screaming. And it was like, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh. And they're running. And even people running along with them were saying things like, I don't know what it is. How come we're running? But I'm running with you. That's, <laughs> I'm sorry. When I see that, I'm just like, okay, that's the state of humanity. Can you imagine what Project Bluebeam would do to these people? A technology that literally exists. The ability to project 3D holograms in the sky and then to do that, by the way, which is quite interesting, they have to create heavy particulates of things like aluminum and other metals in the sky, which is what's happening right now, by the way, as they cloud seed the heck out of this nation. So don't be surprised to see some alien invasion. That could easily be on the playbook coming up with this Project Bluebeam to try to freak everybody out. And the whole intention all the time is to bring us to our knees to look to the government and their one world religion driven by their AI God that we will succumb to and agree. They hate us so much and it's so lovely that they do. It makes me smile every day that they literally hate us because we are so free in our love and our relationship with Christ Jesus. It's wonderful. And as we continue to walk this way, we continue to destabilize everything they are and shake up everything that they believe in. As we do that with evil, we need to do that with compassion with others that are walking in that gray space. And it's not easy. But ultimately, that's going to come down on us to help facilitate. We need to build the bridges. And so when we hear of the, when I hear of things like what Archbishop Vigano has been through, it doesn't surprise me. It does bother me because it shouldn't be those that we trust that are turning on us simply because they've been locked again into a narrative. The Ukraine one is a great one. I mean, the people that have been obsessed around fight for Ukraine, people I know that have been doing this, it's just ludicrous. 
people that should be better that are literally committing war crimes by virtue of sending ammo and sending guns and going over and fighting for Ukraine, whatever. I shake my head and I just, I can't believe people can be so dumb or so deceived. And yet they are. I don't know how we get through to those people. And I don't have that answer. I know that prayer is always central to what we're trying to do. But at the other times, other times, maybe it just doesn't matter because the one thing that we do need to absolutely do is we need to be pioneering this way forward to make sure that we're grounded deeply in what God needs us to do. And what is that? And I think everybody can agree with this pretty universally. If we're listening to God right now, we should are, are probably all hearing something pretty similar. Get your garden going, stock up on supplies, prepare for a storm because we know that's coming. To what magnitude that storm hits, I don't know. To what magnitude we will see it, I don't know. What I do know is there is a simple principle of war that I believe in following that in itself can be transformative. Siva playum parcebellum, which is if you want peace, prepare for war. We are in a war and we are committed to taking that seriously because this is a spiritual war. For those that can't connect with that, it's an unfortunate thing because they continue to look to the tangible aspects of what this world is and try to identify a war that takes on the form of uniform and guns. In my opinion, that's one of the reasons Ukraine was such an easy pitch. Because people for the first time could see an army and they could see a tank and they could see an armored personnel carrier and they could see a jet even though much of it was created in the media for them to believe, nonetheless, it was a tangible concept of a war and they're eager to fight. So they leap forward to fight at anything because they can't see this invisible enemy. But we don't need to see it because we walk by faith, not by sight. And because of that, we understand the depth of this perversion. We understand that this is lurking around all the shadows. Those that have fought on the front lines of this war, those that have been here, regardless of whether you've ever worn a uniform or not, you're now some of the greatest information soldiers the world has ever seen. I mean that sincerely. The work that we've done together, the rising up, the communication, the enduring of the attacks, which have been relentless, most people can't handle. And for those that go through it for the first time, it shakes them. And most everybody at this point that's been on the tip of this spear has experienced that assault in one way or another, whether it's on your social media account or whether it's family and friends or whatever that is. And the one thing that we always come back to is that rock, that rock of faith. Because we're there and we walk there and we see there and we, we stand there and we know that this storm is going to hit us, but God has us and he holds us and he keeps us there and he keeps us steady, but he needs us to stand and never to bow. Right now, more than ever, as we stand, we have to also prepare. As I've said many times, if this thing blows over, if you really follow the principle if, of Sivu Plein Parcebellum, prepare for peace, if you want peace, prepare for war, the entire outcome of that is you don't have war typically. So that becomes a situation where those from the outside will look at you often and say, you went through all that work and it was unnecessary. And miss the very point that because you did the preparations, that because you took the actions, it's because of that that the war never manifested. Our actions are that important. And what we're doing right now is far greater than that because we're pioneering a way back to go back before we go forward to reclaim that which God gave us, which was liberty in this nation. And to reclaim liberty means that we have to take accountability and responsibility in our lives we have to start providing more for ourselves and less dependent on the corporate networks. And hopefully, as we move forward, all of that dependency on the corporate networks falls away. And what we end up with is a dependency on ourselves and localized community and small business local to us that ultimately has no corporate connection whatsoever. We have to go back to the roots. And when we do, and we literally sow the seeds spiritually and metaphorically, spiritually and physically in, this, in the ground, when we're touching the earth and we're working there, we're watching the seasons and the cycles. We're getting back in touch with God's world because we're all connected in this world. And right now, we don't walk that way. It isn't by choice and it isn't by something that we did on our, uh, by accident. 
or that we did even intentionally. It's because the walk in this world that has happened is we are dependent on a food cycle, a living cycle. Everything is independent. God created a perfect world. And within this perfect world, as we walk, we are part of a complete ecosystem. And we have dominion over all things. And so as we take that step back to literally start growing our gardens and sowing the seeds, we're taking a step back to the origins of who God wants us to be. And that's a very, very powerful place to be in a time such as this. It gives us enormous strength. It gives us enormous endurance. And it gives us enormous clarity. The clarity is what we need the most. And the discernment, because right now discernment is a very difficult thing for many. They can't see, they can't beyond what they believe, and their belief is being shaped by a media or by fear or by anxiety, by anger, by hatred. And it's sad. We have a school, we have school systems that are intentionally brainwashing children to shape their points of view of the world that limit them more. And the most tragic part about this is as they are getting limited, They're diminishing in the potential of what God gave us. I would say that there's no more noble fight right now than to help people open their minds, to help people expand beyond their limits, to help people retrieve that beauty and that glory that God put within each of us. There's no cookie-cutter answer here, but it does take diligence and it takes persistence, and it takes us, even when we're frustrated with some of the ridiculousness of listening carefully, letting Jesus guide us, because ultimately what Jesus showed us was a way, a walk through all of this to always find a way to reach people. The parables is probably one of the great lessons, though, because he understood that not everybody would be able to understand. But what he did is he seeded the parables in people so that even if they couldn't understand, perhaps over time as that parable worked within the mind, that it would free them and release them, and they would turn and reach for what he was. That's a powerful tool and a very very powerful weapon in our engagement of, of the world. We are heading into a very interesting time, a time that the world is looking and seeking more and more. And the beautiful thing about it is more people are awakening every single day. It's going to take enormous guidance, though. It's going to take enormous strength. Some that are new to this are are being overwhelmed by the the information that they're being fed. And unlike them, we've been walking this for so long now, most of us, that there is a a sort of firmness in the way we walk and a, a calmness in the way we approach these or receive these new revelations. And I think that's at the core of the difference between a person who claims to be awake and a person that claims to be awake yet walks first with God. It's humility. The necessity to keep ourselves rock solid in a humble walk, to remind ourselves and keep ourselves reminded that we were once like them. As Paul says, let no one be deceived with empty words because at one point you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Let us always remember that. It's an important component of who we are. What we were and what we are should not be exclusive. It should not be a club, but it should be a wonderful process that we want to share with others and we want others to come this way. But that should give us enormous compassion and humility as we deal with those, many of which that are lost on this path. And there are many. They're seeking. They don't know necessarily what they're looking at, but they're seeking and there will be more of them. Even if we took the perfect numbers and we say that there are, say, 60% of this public that are completely awake, that's roughly 180 million people, that still leaves a tally of about 120 million that that are going to have to be guided through this. And then we have to add in, in, in that path, we have to add those that have been despicably evil, those groups that want to screw up children's thinking, teach them false lies about sexuality, the, per, the perverts that try to go after children for their own pleasure, these sorts of disgusting people that are viperous out here that actually do walk amongst us. They need to be isolated and destroyed. They cannot be handled. They cannot continue to exploit children the way they do. That has to end. 
any more than we can allow a state to, to initiate a war on our elderly and victimize them and call it a pandemic. All of these people in the end that executed this process need to be brought to justice, and the justice needs to be ruthless. Yet in the midst of all of that, we can't lose our place and our heart in the walk with Christ. We are walking a path much higher than I think any of us ever anticipated. It's one path through the valley, and it's through the valley of decision, but it's bringing us to a plane that is outside of all this crazy. And each step that we make, we increasingly become the attention of others because they're asking a simple question. Why are you so happy? Why are you so content? Why are you not afraid? And we know that answer. It's our relationship with Christ and through Christ to the Father. And so that seems like a pretty amazing thing to share if we have the opportunity. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time we come together. And Jesus, just thank you for walking with us as you do. For all the sacrifices made to bring us to this point and all the glorious gifts that have been given to us, let us truly begin to embrace those gifts, to take dominion over evil, to do greater works, to heal, to bring people together, to truly embrace all that was given. These are not easy times. And we're listening as best we can, and we will stumble along the way. So forgive us as we do. But we know, and I think you know, Father, that our hearts are true and pure. We're doing what we can to continually walk that perfect path as you did, Jesus. And we know that we will stumble and learn, though. And that's the biggest thing as we seek to learn and to rise. This is an amazing world and a time you've placed us in that is unprecedented in the time of history of man. And so we find ourselves in an interesting place, a place that somewhere in there, Father, I'm pretty sure you knew we would be here, a place where we become the teachers and we become the guides and we become the moral base. We become the rock, that rock of faith in our communities and our families. And little by little, that tide is turning. Grant us the humility and the grace. Grant us the strength. Grant us the wisdom of the words. And thank you for all that is given. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. A lot out here is a swirling mess of chaos. But at the end of the day, It all gets pretty simple. And as I referenced in the previous show, the simple skills are things like this. Know how to filter water. Know how to grow your own food. Know how to build. Know how to cook. And when I say know how to build, know how to build friendships and relationships and know how to build a house. And know how to love. Have a blessed evening. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. Keep your prayers up. God is just dumping wisdom right now. All we have to do is listen. And if you don't hear him, ask. Pretty simple. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will win. Always. Yet we're here in this time, in this place, for such a time as this, and such an important role we have. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee, 1 p.m. Pacific. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through Fight for all we had to lose Reaching out for something To pull us up to level ground Oh, I can see it now I can see it now We're on the edge of a moment But not over that Now we're diving in The light up ahead We're running to it 
heart found Reaching through somehow Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud When the seasons change I know the space between us will stay the same Resting on this faith When your soul answers calls far away Something to find.